Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, I want to take you back to a time when I was a teenager uh, with First Baptist Church Sevierville. I was in their youth group. Man, that's my home church. I love them. Scott Carter, my youth pastor, and, and I love Scott. He's, a, he's like a dad to me. And he would take us to the Okoe River for some whitewater rafting. And, and listen, I loved it. It was so adventurous. I'll never forget one time. I was a teenager. We filled the boat. We had a guide. And somewhere down on the river, he decided to pull off to this side and take us out of the boat for a minute. And he took us to this really big rapid. And we walked along the shoreline and walked across some rocks. And what he did was he pointed out to a spot in between the rocks where the rapid was pretty strong. And what he challenged us to do was to jump into that spot. And here's what he ensured us. If you'll jump into that spot there in between the rocks, you'll go underwater. It'll take you underneath those rocks, and it'll spit you out far down the river. Now, guys, listen. I was just a teenager, and the guide couldn't have been much more than just a teenager. And I'm going to tell you, in that moment... I was seriously doubting some things, right? I was doubting the validity of his claims that we wouldn't die in the process. I was doubting his sobriety of mind, encouraging us and challenging us to jump into that rapid underneath the rocks. And to be honest with you, I doubted a whole lot of the sanity of this young guy who was telling us to do this. But you know what happened in the end? I trusted the guide. I jumped in to that spot in the rapid. And I died. No, no, it was awesome. We lived. It was one of the most incredible experiences that I can remember having as a teenager. Man, it shot us out down river. We held our breath. It was just so much fun. Hey, let me ask you this. In your faith journey, have there ever been seasons or times where you've, where you've doubted a little bit? When it comes to your faith. You know what, as I grow in Christ, here's what I'm reminded of time and time again. That even in times of faith, where doubt rises up, you can always trust our guide. His name is Jesus. Now listen, if I were to go back to that same rapid today, I'd bring with me some Crisco and a crowbar, right? Make sure I'd make it through that rapid. But I tell you what, I trusted my guide that day. Let me ask you this, church. Have you ever wrestled with doubting parts of your faith? Have you ever had a problem with doubting the promises of God that He has for you? Have you ever wrestled with the reality that maybe God exists, that Jesus was who He says He was, that the Word of God is true? Today in Scripture, if you've doubted before, you're going to find yourself in some good company. In fact, I would say this, I would argue that many, if not most of us, at some point, struggled with, struggled against doubt. Now, I've heard it said that doubt is the opposite of faith. And I want to tell you something, that's not true. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. And hear me, church, struggling against, struggling against our doubt is not sin. But surrendering to it, leading to unbelief, is let me ask you, let me see if you've ever been here before. I found a, a, a nice little point from Ann Peterson. She wrote this, I really want to trust you, Lord, 
but I end up in tears. I start out strong, but it's not long I'm overcome with fears. I say I want to walk by faith and try with all my might, but if I'm really honest, God, I'd rather walk by sight. Have you ever been there? Hey, let me, let me encourage you. Let me remind you in matters of faith, seeing isn't always believing. In fact, believing is far greater than seeing. And I'll prove it to you today in Scripture. So let's watch Jesus rescue a skeptic, a doubter, and deliver him from his doubts. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 20 with me. We're going to begin in verse 19. And here's what the Bible says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, the Bible says Jesus came and stood among them. And he said this, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples, the Bible says, were overjoyed at what they saw. Now, no, Jesus has already conquered the cross, death, hell, and the grave through his resurrection. Now Jesus comes and both calms the doubts and the fears of his disciples with his presence and by presenting them with the visible proof of his scars, which, by the way, now define him. Can I tell you something we're reminded of in this passage just real quick? That the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars on Jesus' hands, his feet, his brow, his back, and his side. And you know what? I put those scars there. My sin did. Now we know in the context of this passage that, that some of the women and the disciples had seen Jesus alive, but there was one from among them who didn't see Jesus alive at the tomb and didn't see him alive in the room. His name is Thomas. And this is his rescue story. Look at verse 24. Now Thomas, the Bible says, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him this, we have seen the Lord. Now one of the questions I have coming from this passage is, is where's Thomas? Now here's what I'll hypothesize, you ready? That Thomas is seized with guilt and he has isolated himself away from the other disciples who themselves are isolated but together. But here's the deal, we really don't know where Thomas was. But here's what we do know. In verse 25, I want you to pay attention to that word told. And the disciples told Thomas that they had seen the Lord. In the Greek, the word told is in what they call the imperfect tense, meaning this. It's an action that's continually happening. So this, when it says that they told Thomas, the thought behind that is they continually told him that they had seen Jesus, that they are continually reminding him and trying to convince Thomas that Jesus, who was once dead, is now alive. But hear me, Thomas just couldn't move past his doubt. Look at this in verse 25. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I want to stop for a moment, this is the only time that we find in the Gospels that the word nails are used in correlation with Jesus' crucifixion. It is here in Luke 
that we learn that nails were used in Jesus' crucifixion. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Listen to this personal and passionate, listen to the nature of his unbelief. He declares, I will not believe. Consider this about old Thomas. He witnessed the death of Jesus. It traumatized him. Sure, he had watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus was sick for a season and had died. Jesus was mutilated and killed. We cannot lay aside the trauma, the tragedy, the terror of the cross, which was forefront in the mind of Thomas, who had witnessed its treachery just three days earlier. Now, I want to take a quick note about Thomas's doubt here in Scripture. You ready? He no longer struggles against his doubts. He, in fact, has taken out his white flag, and he's waved it in surrender. Thomas, at this point, has waved the white flag of surrender to his doubt. I will not believe, Thomas says. You know, I think of old Thomas and I think this Jesus' promises were not enough. Watching Jesus heal the sick and, and raise the dead back to life was not enough for Thomas. Walking with Jesus for years was not enough for him. Even the testimony of the disciples, his dear friends, was not enough for Thomas. Here's what happened, you ready? He allowed doubt to land in his heart, in his mind, to unload and download to the point where it destroyed his faith. But could Jesus, would Jesus rescue good old doubting Thomas? Well, look at verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Now, let me remind you, we are now a week removed from that first Easter Sunday, and yet again another affirmation that Sunday is the new Lord's Day, as John would speak of in Revelation 1.10. And the Bible says this, and, and watch this, you ready? And Thomas was with them. The Bible says the doors were locked. Remember, they were a marked people. They were followers of Jesus, and undoubtedly the object of a manhunt. The Bible says this, the doors were locked. And Jesus came and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then the Bible tells us that he looks to Thomas. And he said to Thomas, now imagine the moment that Thomas, who's been seized with such great doubt, who has surrendered to his doubt, imagine the moment he lays eyes on Jesus. Imagine the moment where the great doubter is delivered. Jesus looks at Thomas and he said, Hey, Thomas, put your finger here. He said, see my hands. Re reach out your hand and, and put it in my side, the Bible says. And Jesus said to him, stop doubting and believe. Hey, old Thomas, stop doubting and believe. You know what amazes me? In this conversation between Jesus and Thomas, Jesus knew exactly what John, Thomas had said. He knew what he was thinking. He knew what he was doubting. He knew what he was feeling. 
And isn't it something that Jesus believed in Thomas, even though Thomas believed him not? And in verse 28, the Bible says that Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Hey, talk about a sight for sore eyes. Jesus confronts Thomas's doubt with his presence, the promise of his resurrection proudly realized, personified before him, and the proof seen in the scars in his hands and his side. You see, it was at the sight of Jesus' scars that Thomas's skepticism gives way, his doubt ceases, and a saving faith ensues. Now, let's set aside for a moment the great miracle that Jesus appears in a room where the doors were locked. The greater miracle in this moment is that Jesus is very much alive after his very public and brutal death on the cross. He is very much alive. And so too now is Thomas's faith. Look at his response. You ready? Thomas's response recorded here in Scripture is a response of belief, not unbelief, of a faith delivered from doubts. Listen to the words of Thomas to Jesus. My Lord, my God. Now, do you catch the gravity of what he said? Before this declaration by Thomas, Jesus was called all sorts of things. He was called rabbi or teacher. He was called the Christ, the anointed one. Even so far as to say the son of the living God. But no one before Thomas had ever called Jesus simply God. It was an incredible declaration of Jesus' divinity from a man known for his doubting. You know, I think of this story, this rescue story. And Jesus rescued Thomas from doubts that threatened to destroy him. And you know, church, as I I studied and I prepared this week for this rescue story in Scripture, you know what thought kept overwhelming my heart and my mind? I needed Thomas' story in the Bible. Hey, aren't you grateful that Thomas' doubt made the book. I'm grateful we get to see his rescue story play out. Why? Because if Jesus can rescue Thomas from his doubts, then surely he can rescue you and me from ours. Hey, for the believers struggling with doubts, let me remind you, there are times when even the most faithful among us have doubts that begin to seep into their minds. So let me encourage you. You ready? When doubts come calling your name, cry out to Jesus. When doubts come crawling into your mind, run to Jesus. When doubts become crippling, stand on Jesus. When doubts begin circling your faith, I I challenge you, I encourage you, take cover in Jesus. Let me remind you that faith deals a fatal blow to doubt. Doubt steals, faith secures, doubt empties, faith fills, doubt questions, faith answers, doubt destroys, faith delights, doubt lies, faith loves, doubt weakens, faith awakens, doubt decays, but faith brings life. And I love Jesus' face. For Thomas' doubts, 
and for the doubts that sometimes fight for our attention. Listen to what he says in Scripture. Stop doubting and believe. And the question comes, how? But we're reminded in passages like 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. The joy of my faith, of your faith, comes not by seeing Jesus now, but by believing in Jesus now. Believing is far better than seeing in God's economy. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 reminds us, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance of things we do not see. What's amazing about faith, it combines hope and assurance together, which are both fatal blows to doubt. You know what this is? When doubt comes in, let hope win. When doubt comes in, let the assurance of who Christ is win the day. You know what I've realized in my walk with Christ? That doubt raises and rises up the most when I walk with Jesus the least. So believer, walk with Jesus even in seasons of doubt. And let hope and assurance take hold. We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, when doubt inevitably comes fighting for your attention, can I challenge you to do one thing? Cry out to Jesus to rescue you from your doubts as the man does in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Listen to his testimony. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Do you sense the desperation? I, I do believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You see, the picture there in Mark chapter 9 is of man who's struggling against his doubts, not one who has surrendered to them. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And maybe that ought to be the prayer of many of us who are listening, who are reading together this morning. Look at verse 29. Then Jesus told him, meaning Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And listen to his words. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hey, hey, by the way, just lean in here. You ready? Jesus is talking to you and me. Those of us who have yet to see, but we believe. Here's my prayer. You ready? My prayer is that doubt does not define us like it did Thomas. Rather, that we are defined by our faith. Catch this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning of verse 8. Now listen as Peter writes. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. The very salvation of your soul. You see, believing is not always seeing. And the greatest part of our faith is that we can believe in Jesus now. We can know Him now. 
Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.